Joe, I know how much you love having radio professionals on the podcast. Mm-hmm, yeah. It, yes, it, it raises the level of stress in your life. Yeah. Already a very stressful life of yours, um, but you always get... <laughs> You get really angry. And why do things always seem to not work when we've got radio people around? Yeah, we had a terrible time with uh, our equipment before Deb got here. And it, it, that's happened once or twice where uh, I don't even know what the deal is, but some like internal setting deep in my control panel, like five windows in, super deep, um, a microphone just gets turned off it's probably it's probably trying to protect us from ourselves probably from, from looking stupid in front of radio professionals and sometimes i can find it and sometimes i can't and like five minutes before deb was supposed to be here the mixer's not recording any sound and i can't find the microphone thing and had to have laura download our 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 uh, audio program so we could record it through a different computer it was terrible it was awful and i was watching out my window watching deb park saying she's coming she's coming yeah get it ready of all of all the people for that to happen with, it was uh, it was not cool. So, of all the people, who are we talking about? Deb Hart. Deb Hart is our guest, an icon of Lansing Radio, thirty year career. Walked away uh, a couple weeks ago from that career to the next chapter in, in her life. Um, she's with us today on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast to talk about what it was like to start in radio at the age of nineteen and uh, the thirty years that followed and whatever is next in store for her. And you got it to work. Yeah, I think you're going to have a podcast here. Like, I think we're going to listen to something. Wait, okay. Are we recording a new intro this season? Why? I'm just wondering. Are you saying that you've had enough of Sarah Humbry? No, 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 no. I, mean, I, I love Sarah. I would like to be a part of the intro. I think that right. would be nice. Well, why don't we work that little line in? That was good. Yeah. I'll, I'll find a spot for it. Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rest Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really? I was distracted staring at Joe's cold oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his, it's on his it's desk always right here. There. It's always here. And by the way, the, the, the ratio of like, fruit to disgusting, like 1 to 10. It's got some disgusting stuff in some fruit. There's nothing disgusting. One part fruit. What's, what, what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it, but it, it looks like cucumber mash maybe a couple of chopped apple. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your... Ah, <laughs> uh, the, the, the pipes of Bob Olson. Remember those? Yeah, I miss them. They sound good. This is Matt Resch, uh, Resch Strategies. Um, we are a public affairs and a public relations firm based in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, you can find us at reschstrategies.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rest Strategies. Uh, this little podcast of ours, the Cold Oatmeal Pod, is also on Twitter, so you can find it there at the Cold Oatmeal Pod. Um, if you're an iTunes listener, you can find us there, of course. And we like you to click lots of stars and tell us how much you like it. And there are other places you can find us too. Um, we have a very exciting guest, and we we went back into the archives to pull Bob Olson from. From his his uh, vacation in Florida, Bob, we, we've discussed <laughs> that Bob has, I think, the best life in the world because he just packs up his microphone and goes to Florida for four and a half months and does his job and just gets to laugh at us from a distance. Yeah. So it's fun to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a sport to really admire Bob and hate him a little bit, but love him and go. Well, and he's a nice guy on top of it. Yeah, he's a jerk. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me go around. I've. I've probably we've given away who our guest is by the fact that she has spoken, but that's fine. That's Sorry. good. 
Joe Beshi. <laughs> Joe Beshi is here. <laughs> Nick Deleuze here. Nikki O'Meara. Laura Beal. Stephanie Vancouver. And for anyone who's probably listened to the radio in Lansing for at any point over the last 30 years, you know who our guest is. Uh, Deb Hart is our guest. Deb is an icon of the local Lansing radio scene, having been a morning host on Q106 and WMMQ. It's a 30-year career in local radio that started when she was 19. Um, Deb announced a couple weeks ago that she was going to be leaving the radio studio for the yoga studio. So I saw that news, and um, I saw your good friend and our friend Megan Holland tweet out some nice little message, and I go, oh, I would love that. Having Deb Hart on the radio would be awesome. Because when, um, when I went to college, not to, I remember listening to you guys and, and listening to you guys for years, and I thought, I'm going to text Megan and see if we can make this happen and you wrote right back and here you are so thank you so much for being here it's my pleasure I'm thrilled to be here well and you said that you know in doing your show prep what did you have for breakfast this morning I well lunch um well, old oatmeal cold oatmeal yeah because I, <laughs> I thought, you sound so excited <laughs> and I, I thought well that's an odd name for a podcast and and of course I didn't pay any more attention to it because I plan for things about a half an hour before <laughs> I, I have to do them so that I you know I should probably listen to one of the podcasts at least the one that Megan was on and and I saw the part about. Joe eating the cold oatmeal and getting so much grief about it here at the office. And I'm standing in front of the refrigerator going, I, I got to eat something for lunch. I'm in a hurry. And I'm like, there's some cold oatmeal. Isn't that <laughs> some sort of synchronicity that I'm eating cold oatmeal, listening to the cold oatmeal podcast for the first time? Before you go. To and you loved it. Cold and you loved it. <laughs> and and she yeah. loved it. That's the end of the story. <laughs> and, and how was it? It's not good. Yeah. But I'm telling myself it's good for me. I'll eat all kinds of disgusting things if I can believe that they're good for me. Well, it's good that we have you on because we've had a, a cold oatmeal love fest the last number of, of episodes. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. No. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've gotten texts from people how they've, we've, they've lives, changed man. their diets. They've changed their yeah. lives. They're healthier and better for it. So we need a good good balance to have someone in here and give a thumbs down. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally someone yes. who can gut it. <laughs> Be on my team. <laughs> I felt so alone From a lately. guy who's never had one bite of it ever no. and would okay. never do it. No, thank you. Pass. <laughs> If Burger King made cold oatmeal, would you buy it? I've given up Burger King, so no, I wouldn't. <laughs> that is a little underreported story here from the podcast is that we gave Nick so much grief. Um, we actually had a health and nutritionist expert come in for our New Year's podcast to intervene with Nick in his diet. <laughs> intervention. Yeah, he, Did you see it coming? No, I didn't. <laughs> it was. It was an intervention. He, uh, he has given up Burger King and Jimmy John's. That's right. Still? Yeah, it's helped that I mean, we it's haven't still, been. It's been a month. It's, 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 it hasn't helped, been hard yet. It's helped that, that Mother Nature has kept us from being in downtown Lansing for much That's of the last. That's probably two true. Weeks, but. But, yeah. Okay. It's got a healthy glow to his skin. Yeah. Thank you. Well, <laughs> so Chris, far, so as Chris good. Johnson said, "We need you, Nick. We you want know, you when to I, be healthy." When I opened Chris Johnson's book and I saw the transformation that he made in, in like two weeks by changing his diet, and he went from like handsome bodybuilder to the narcissist Lex Luger <laughs> like, in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, what, what's this guy up to? I'm, I'm in, I'll try. Well, that's the thing. I was saying yesterday that it's so unfair for men because men would be like, I'm going to give up beer, and they're down 60 pounds in a week. <laughs> that's very true. And for women, we have to sweat and heave and not eat anything, and we might lose a half an ounce. But doesn't that also <laughs> indicate that we can gain 60 pounds in two weeks just by drinking no. beer? <laughs> no, it's really. only it only helps you, really. It only works one way. It only I works think so. 
Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, Deb came all this way, and so we should probably ask her some questions. <laughs> um, and I wanted, we, we were throwing some questions out, and I had to start with this. Are you really a fan of classic rock? Oh, how do you not like classic well, rock? Well, I, I just wonder, because you yeah. know, you've always been on those stations, but it was, was it the job that she brought you to those stations? Like, I don't really, the music is what the music is. I'm just here to, I'm here to host, or is it, you, you've been a fan? I just got lucky enough to get hired by rock stations. Okay. So Q106 was an active rock station, MMQ, a classic rock station. And I think that allows for a lot more, at least for me, much more of uh, an authentic expression of personality. Because that's more who I am than a, a different format. Sure. Perhaps. So you would have a hard time if, if you say, hey, the job opening over here at the, the easy listening station. Or something that isn't a, isn't maybe the top of your top of your list of musical favorites of, of going and doing. It, no, because it was always about the medium. I love okay. radio. I love connecting with people. I love sharing ideas and having conversations. It was a bonus that it was classic rock and rock for me. Um, I, I have done talk radio. I had a podcast for a while. Actually, it was it was broadcast and I podcasted for a while it was Deb Hart's Loving Life and it was about trying to find healthy alternatives healthier alternatives to life and I didn't get paid for it I just did it because <laughs> I believed in it and it was an exciting way for me to learn things and get different perspectives from people and and be inspired by mm -hmm. some really fascinating people that's that's my favorite part is okay. the, the number of people and the very the huge variety of people I've been able to meet in my 30 years. Well, let me ask you about those 30 years because a couple things. Um, I read in the State Journal in the story about um, you're leaving leaving the radio business. Um, a quote from your partner, Joey Pants. First of all, is it true that you named you he, you gave him that name? Uh, yeah, he wanted to call himself Joe Schmo, and I was like, dude, no, <laughs> that doesn't. Come on. And it was during the time when Sopranos were really popular when he was joining the station and Joe Pantoliano was up for an award that year and I forget who was emceeing the, the award show and he's like, and my pal, Joe Pantoliano, Joey Pants. I'm like, that's a great name. I said, you should use Joey Pants. He's like, mm, I don't think so. But yeah, he, he decided to go with it. Okay. Well, so he said in the article about, about your leaving, the fact that she was able to emerge a 30-year broadcasting career with the war that warm soul still intact is remarkable. This business will chew you up and spit you out. And then our the aforementioned Bob Olson, uh, in his text to me, said, 30 years in the, ra in the same city for radio is unheard of. So how did you do this? You have to be adaptable. Um, you got to be as much as adaptable, reliable, I think you have to love it to show up every day and to get up every day at 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, it, it was a chance to be creative, and it was my dream job. I got to do it, and I, I think I was in that window of when the business changed dramatically, when the federal regulations changed where you could own more than one FM radio station in the market. That changed everything, and that's when, instead of independent ownership, corporations came in and started buying up clusters in, in markets. And so over time, the people who were really well-paid tended to be targeted for moving them along. Um, and I was always kind of in the middle, so I was always able to just sort of duck and weave enough and do my job and 
sustain 30 years. I'm so grateful that I got to walk away and I wasn't asked to leave. So, How do you, how do you start as a 19-year-old Deb Hart in this oh business? Oh, my God. It's so funny. I was um, living in Midlands where I grew up and working at Dow Corning's corporate headquarters as a college co-op and, you know, taking some community college classes. And this guy I worked with, he's like, well, what do you want to school for? Blah, 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 blah. And he says, well, like, well, what's your dream job? I was like, you can have a dream? <laughs> I didn't know you were going to have a dream job. And so that day, for whatever reason, I thought, well, it'd be fun to be in radio. Because, you know, I'd listen to the radio sometimes. I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> you know, I just didn't really think about ever doing it. And so he goes, well, I know so-and-so at this little AM station. And I'm like, all right. And I came back to him a couple weeks later. I'm like, what's that guy's name again? And I'm going to go call him and, and see if I can get a job there. And so this is the late 80s, 1980s, right? And, and I call up this radio station. I'm like, yeah, I'd like to work there. <laughs> like, um, do you have a demo? A demo? What's that? <laughs> like, a tape of your voice. I said, no, I don't, I don't have that. How do I get one? Well, you're you're I, talking to me right now. Is this not good enough? <laughs> Does this work? Do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? I mean, I'm completely clueless and just this blind, dumb, like, why not? I'm 19. What the hell? And I, somebody must have quit or died or something because <laughs> they like gave me the, the 7 at midnight. I'm like, cool. And literally, I turned the radio station off at midnight when I went home. I'm like, this is so much fun. And I knew I was terrible at it. And so I'm like, I guys, how do you get better at this thing? Well, there's a broadcasting school in Detroit you could go to. And so much to my parents' chagrin, I'm like, all right, I'm quitting Dow Corning and dropping out of college. I finished this semester at college and um, I'm moving to Detroit. <laughs> I'm going to Spex Howard. And and so I, whoops, I um, worked uh, at an office. Thank you. At an office during the day, Monday through Friday, and then um, went to school six to 10, four nights a week when uh, Spex was at Eight Mile and Northwestern. Okay. And did you meet Bob when he was there? Because Bob went there too, didn't he? I did not meet him there. He was kind of just ahead of me, and he was working at Q106 okay. when I got the job in – is that right? How did that work? Again, memory issues. I right, was explaining Matt ahead of time. <laughs> you, know, you, were ta- you were talking memory. about the concussions, and I was just watching. You're so dramatic when you talk. I can, I'm worrying from the back of your head, hitting the wall yeah. behind you. This week, you have one right here. I'm all the time. <laughs> I should probably wear a helmet just to keep myself safe, but if they make a fashionable one. Um, anyway, and I don't remember what point uh, Bob and I met. It was after I'd been at Q106 for a while, so maybe I was there before him. I don't know. Details. Are there so. tapes from this Midland radio station? I, hope seven, not. Seven, okay. I can't imagine. I mean, we did doggone reports. <laughs> the missing dog reports. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Tradio. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun stuff. Yeah. But it's it's addictive. I mean, it was cool. You yeah. know, back in the day, I was hang out and <laughs> by yourself at the radio station. <laughs> or have friends over, you know, whatever. Were your parents impressed at that point when they heard you on the radio? Not really, no. 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 Are they no, impressed? They, Were they at, at any point impressed? No, no, never, never, never. I'm still hoping I'm going to go to college and get a real job. Um, maybe grow up one of these days. I don't know. So when did you and Bob move in together? I'll say it that way. I should. <laughs> sounds much sounds more salacious more that way than no. No, no he, he told wait. me that he was that when I asked him some questions. He said we were roommates for a short to when I moved down to Lansing. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was how it worked out is. The station I worked for in Midland, he 
had been dating a woman who was working there. And she said, stay away from her. <laughs> I don't know why. And so I don't think moving in together meant staying away from her. But they, they didn't last long anyway. It was just whatever. But it was, no, it was convenient. It was great because Bob worked the night shift and I worked the morning shift. We never saw each other. He was very tidy and took, you know, <laughs> took good care of himself. So it was, it was a great roommate. And then, you know, we'd have crazy escapades with our other radio and TV friends back in those days. So how much how has how has the business changed? If you talk if the biggest thing that's different today as you start a start a new career than from when you started, what was the the biggest change in the industry? Well, you know, every, uh, everything being digitized, automation, um, which is fascinating and makes sense and it's brilliant. And uh, just before I left, they put in a really intuitive system where you've got you can meld all the elements together brilliantly. It was a great design. Um, so you've got your music and commercials and all the other all the other pieces and parts that make it happen, but of course with automation comes less need for personnel right. and it just you know like all things like all media you have to adapt to the current climate. You know I was up north it was over Christmas I think and I was listening I don't remember what station it was and I don't know if this was if someone flipped a switch it was over the New Year's break so there probably was hadn't been anyone in there for for days it was all just being automatically run but. I don't know. I don't, and I don't know if it was a mistake, but it, somehow the setting was at the beginning and, and at the end of each song, there was like this kind of very computerized voice that gave the name of the song and the artist. Like it was supposed to stop, but it was like it wasn't supposed to be there. It was a tag on the music. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Like you'd hear this little voice that would announce the song, and then the song would play, and then it would say that, and then announces the song again. And I thought, oh my god, there's no one in there. It's just a computer running the radio. That's weird. But although, you know, as you're saying this, I'm remembering that that very first station I worked at, and this was back when the, each song was individual on like a cart is what we called them. It looked like an eight track. Is hmm. everybody familiar with an eight track? Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd have stacks of them. And before the next person came in, you'd have to have these giant stacks. And I'm such a klutz. I'd be like, don't knock the tower over. <laughs> But there was a machine that was another radio station. Actually, it was like a, smaller than this office that was a radio station automated, and it was a carousel with all these carts. And I don't remember who, if they ha- how often they had to load it. That wasn't my responsibility. You just had to go do readings every hour, meter readings. But, but that wasn't fully automated station, and that was in the late 80s. So mm-hmm. the technology's gotten a lot better, but, but still a little clunky at times, it sounds <laughs> like, depending <laughs> on where you are. <laughs> so if somebody requested a song, would you have to find that somewhere and then play it and yeah and was that ever stressful i imagine i don't know how much time you would have to do those types of things yeah it depends on what format you're doing like in that first job people didn't really call up and request music i mean it was such a an eclectic weird mix of things everything from the rolling stones to frank sinatra saturday night to Hmm. you know dick cavett comedy hours like probably most of you don't even know what i'm talking about i wasn't really aware of that stuff because i'm just you know you'd get these big records that that you'd have to play as the the show's pre-recorded but but when I was listening to the the podcast with Megan that you guys spoke with Megan Holland before, uh, she had mentioned that the pace of media being so different than the pace of, you know, a different job where <laughs> everything has to happen like right now. So you get used to like, okay, they want this song, I'm going to find it. And there was a day when you would have to, there would be some, you know, racks all over the studio yeah. where you'd pull out one single song or before that they would have to pull out the albums and cue up the exact right mm-hmm. cut on the on the the 33 uh, al- album and and play that 
So it's, you know, there's just, there's just something about radio that is so addicting. And I do, you know, it was a great career. I loved it. I got to have a dream career for 30 years, but. So why the change now? You know, um, life is short. And if you're going to make a change, it's probably better to do it when you're 50 than when you're 55 or 60. And it felt like it was the right time to go. And and yoga became my passion as well. I mean, the whole time in radio, I'm like, what am I going to do when I grow up? <laughs> because <laughs> it was great. It was fun. But it's, you know, you don't anticipate, you know, I don't, I didn't imagine myself doing radio into my 60s and 70s. And I don't imagine myself ever sitting around doing nothing. And Yoga started as a practice for me about 20 years ago, and it was a beautiful place for me. I didn't even know it was happening, but some, and it was a sweet, gentle practice in a friend's basement. She was, you know, completely, you know, fully certified. Um, but sometimes you'd be in a yoga posture and you're like, why am I crying? That's weird. I don't even know what I'm crying about. And then you move on and finish your practice, and it was great. And, and I practiced for a couple of years. And I got away from it, and I went through a really rough time um, with my first marriage. And when I left that marriage, I started practicing at Hilltop. And again, you're finding, like, what's happening? I feel these emotions being processed when you're going through these movements in this space. And it was so powerful to me, and I wanted to know more about it. And after I practiced there for a couple of years, I thought, you know, I want to take the teacher training because <clears throat> Hillary Lockwood, who would also be a fascinating person to to interview, who owns Hilltop in Old Town as well as one in Chicago, um, has a fascinating story. Um, she's like, so when are you going to sign up for teacher training? I'm like, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't want to be a teacher. She's like, well, you should sign up. You can just learn more about the practice that way. I'm like, all right. And so I thought, you know, I, will, I always like to take classes and learn new things. And, and I like this yoga thing, so I wanted to learn some more about it. And so I took the teacher training. And we're almost done with the 200 hours. She's like, well, <clears throat> you're going to have to teach a class. I'm like, well, I, I don't want to teach. I'm like, we're well, not going to get your certificate if you don't teach. I'm like, well, I'm not, I didn't do this to not get my certificate. And so I taught a class. And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. And then I got into specialty trainings of trauma-sensitive yoga, which, again, my best friend has been doing this for years before I am. And I'm like, what, Trump? What? What is this? I don't understand it. And she shifted her style. It's a super different protocol style of teaching than you would find in a traditional yoga studio. Um, the language is different. It's invitational versus instructional. You lead from the front of the room in profile as opposed to walking around the room and maybe, sorry, doing hands-on adjustments. Um, Power dynamics are an issue. Um, understanding relationship um, is based in neuroscience, the, the the protocol that was designed. So anyway, when she started shifting her style from a traditional style, and I'd be in her room, and she, she'd be like, well, when you're ready and if you like, you might. I'm like, oh, my God, just tell me what to do. And I, I didn't – it just didn't resonate with me until she started telling me stories about, <clears throat> excuse me, her work, <clears throat> excuse me, at the Veterans Administration in Battle Creek. She's been teaching there for five or six years now. And the stories that she would share, what these vets would tell her about their experience, where they were kind of made to go to these classes for the first time, and they would express, I'm only here because I have to be here. And then in the class, they would say, 
thank you. That was that was really helpful to me. And they'll, they keep coming. And she's had more than one of them say, you helped save my life. And that got my attention after a while. I'm like, how can yoga be? Because I know what my experience was, and this is a different context and a different style, um, but that was really that was really powerful, and those stories kept coming, and and I got curious about it. So I took a forty hour training, and I thought, well, maybe I want to do the nine month training. So that's another three hundred hours of training in that, and it was just also addictive. <laughs> <laughs> I find these addictive dream jobs that I've had worse, you know, <laughs> worse. Uh, so veterans is that a. a, a- key clientele or the people that you're working with now on a, on a regular basis? I, I am not sh- um, working with a veteran. She's still working at okay. the, with a VA um, in Battle Creek. I just started working, well, I've been working on and off with the mental health court program um, here in Ingham County, um, part of the problem-solving courts that we have in Michigan, which are so fascinating and so fantastic that they exist. Um, but I've been just started working with them. I did a free six week series at the Ingham County Jail last summer for the the women, and I'm supposed to start. We're still working out the details, teaching, uh, facilitating classes because you're not a teacher or an instructor; you're a facilitator for trauma sensitive <laughs> yoga. But um, I should be starting up pretty soon at the Ingham County Jail, and I teach a basics class, and I also teach some gentle basics classes around town here and there too, as well as at Hilltop. Why do I hate yoga so much? I want to like it. I've, I've tried to like it, and I just, I go and I hate it. And I just want to be done. I want a moment. I want to have a moment. I want to feel something. <laughs> what do I need to do? We can have a one-on-one. All right. And, 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 and we'll figure out, you know, if you really do want to like it, maybe you're just... I, I went for, like, the better part of a year, like, weekly. Wow. And I just I was like... Weekly? And then I shouldn't say I hated it, but I'm like... All right. Like, what kind when's of yoga, the hour going to be up? What kind of yoga were you going to? Hot yoga. But was there? Is there different kinds? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Really um, different kinds. I like the guy that was the instructor guy. Um, you liked him as yeah, an instructor? Like he, yeah, he seemed. I mean, I, I, I tried a couple of them. He was like the one I settled on, and I <laughs> went to his like <laughs> weekly <laughs> Tuesday class, and yeah. I was don't it know. the pain? What was his name? Scott. Oh. Okay. Way to go, Scott. <laughs> Scott's, good, Scott's a good guy. It's not Scott's it. fault. It's my fault. I just, I don't know. I think I don't you know. don't like your feelings, Joe. I know I don't does, like Something is preventing you from having that moment. I have a yoga question. <laughs> yeah. What is the point of the inversions, the, the headstands and whatnot? Is there a point to it? Well, yeah, a specific it, reason? Yeah. Um, not to be prescriptive, but if you were to be standing and do a forward fold, and they say if you, some will say, if you spend a couple of minutes in a forward fold, it can help alleviate symptoms of depression. Hmm. Some say that. Um, others say it's good to get your head below your heart, kind of get blood flowing the opposite direction a bit. Um, and you don't have to do a headstand. No one ever cares if you do a headstand. Yeah. And that's the kind of, that's. I, I feel want, pressured to like learn how to do a headstand. And and that's and and that that can <laughs> suck the joy out of it. One. Yeah, but and that takes some of the joy out of it. And I think a lot of public perception is the Instagram 
image of what yoga is and it should be the fancy postures and the expensive outfits yeah. and that it's only 22 year old girls who can put the bottom of their foot on the top on their forehead and that's not what it's it's an ancient but they don't know how old yoga is and it was a bunch of yogis sitting around meditating and their bodies are falling apart They're like well we need to move so they came up with these <laughs> movements so that their bodies didn't fall apart and so they created the postures with the philosophy behind them and the physical benefits behind them and it's not about you know there are eight limbs to yoga the asana is the, the physical movement. That's just one of them. A lot of you know the other limbs have to do with how we are in the world and how we treat ourselves and how we treat other people. So had you know, I, it, it doesn't matter. I spent like a year trying to do a headstand, and no one cares if you do a headstand. Right. It doesn't matter. I know. That's why I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> until you realize and like. Because I, I did the, the three, 200 and then 300 hour training, and then I was like, all right, I'm getting my 500 hour training. And my teacher's like, well, you need to, you know, you got the requirement, you have to come to an advanced power. I'm like, oh, advanced power, I got hurt once in advanced power. So it's, it's advanced power's fault that I got hurt. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's my fault that I got hurt in class. And, and you just think that, well, I can't do those things. Well, you don't know until you try them if you can do them. And sometimes, and, and just trying them and having fun with them. And the, the if you're in the right room with the right instructor, knowing that trying is the fun and you don't have to do it, as long as you're safe. Number one, our four rules for teaching, keep your students safe, keep yourself safe, lengthen and open. That's it. No one cares if you do a headstand. No one cares if you can put your, like I'm looking at a girl in front of me in class the other night who literally has her foot behind her head. I'm like, good for her, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll happen for me someday. It doesn't have to. But like with the headstand thing, I told myself, it doesn't matter if I do a headstand, who cares? I'm not going to be a better person if I do a headstand or if I don't. But the day I did it, I cried because I was like, I just did something I told myself I couldn't do. And that's the point of it is sometimes, a lot of times, we tell ourselves what we can't do. No one else is telling us that. And we don't try. We don't know. So. Right. Okay, well, I guess I'll keep trying. If you want to. I mean, (laughs) and don't let it suck the joy out of it for you. Just stay away from Scott. (laughs) I won't. I won't go see Scott. Scott's fine. It's me. You know, Joe, if if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. Well, this seems like a perfect time to go to the book of questions. (laughs) (laughs) We tried this last time, and the question was horrible. So we're going to go so we're do gonna again. Try it again. It went so well last time. It did. Yes. Well, that, that has to be the only bad question. So the only thing you have to do is you have to pick a number between 1 and 200. 9. Okay. Okay. This should be good. It's at the front of the book. So yeah, this, this was early in his <laughs> yeah. book writing, so hopefully he, the, good, the good questions are up front. Hopefully this is a good question. Would you accept $1 million to leave the country and never set foot in it again? And there is a follow-up question. No. Okay. We'll wait for the follow-up. <laughs> oh, oh I, th- I thought she was supposed to answer <laughs> yeah, first. Yeah, I thought there was a, if A, then yeah. B. Well, right. maybe, maybe that's the way it works. So what, what is the follow-up? If you were expelled from the country <laughs> and had only limited financial resources, where would you try to rebuild your life? And this, I think, is really a good question for you because you are very adaptable and flexible. Where Literally. Is that a yoga pun? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not as flexible as you would think I should be for, for being a yoga 
So get straight. So if you get kicked out of the country, yeah, get kicked out. Where would you go to start? Yeah, you have nothing. You've left the country. Where are you going to go to rebuild? Well, it feels like I should go somewhere that I've been, so at least I have an idea. It'd be way easier to say Canada because that's just you know (laughs) close. (laughs) It's it's like us, but Canadian. Um, I got Costa Rica. I got, I, we'll just say Costa Rica for kicks. Why not? I've not been there though, so I should. That's probably a safe. Do I get beautiful, country. Yeah. beautiful country. Yeah. So you're going for climate. Well, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen the bugs and the the hot <laughs> hot, and I, I really don't feel comfortable with an absolute there. Okay. Well, I need a I need a, a back out of it. <laughs> we didn't give you any time to think about that, so we'll let you. We'll, That's we'll all right. That. So I wanted to ask you what it what it's like to have a famous voice. Because, and maybe you'll say you don't think that you do, but I, I think that you have a very distinctive voice that, at least in this market, people recognize. But unlike a newscaster who people walk in the grocery store, they recognize Jane Aldrich or someone they see on TV. They might see you and not know that you are the voice that they know so well. So how often does it happen that you are just talking to someone and they're like, wait a minute, I know that voice, right? I know who you are, but they don't know why because they don't see you. They've never seen you. Does that it, happen? Not a lot. I mean, you you maybe think it would more. <laughs> I would think it would more often. No, it just it just doesn't happen a ton. And I don't know if people are just hesitant to approach me. I mean, am I scary? <laughs> Do I seem no. scary? Would you no. not? not? Like, go ahead. Not at all. <laughs> people don't want to be wrong. Right. You know. Yeah. I don't think they want to go up and say, "Hey, you're different." And you're like. My name's Susie. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, Bob told us this story because we asked him, I think, where where was the most impressive place he'd ever heard his own voice? And he said that he was at the Disney store in Chicago and he walked in with his with his niece like uh. right as the doors opened and the voice was like, welcome, boys and girls, to the Disney store. And it was him. <laughs> and he's like, hey, it's me, it's me. And no, <laughs> no one knew it was him. <laughs> I, I still get a kick when I go to the airport in Lansing. And it's as terrible as the recording is, it was like recorded 15 years ago. Please leave your car. Don't leave your car. Whatever it is I say. I'm just like, oh. And every time I'll be sitting in the airport in Lansing, that's me. <laughs> I want to walk up to me. I don't. But I'm like, that's me. I'm not speaker. But, do you yeah. want to do any voice work? Now that you've left radio, is that an interest that you would want to do at all? Or are you done? Oh, done? you know, if the right project and the right amount of money, sure, I'd be happy to do more voice work. Are you, are you offering a job right now? <laughs> this whole podcast you do the announcement for, we, we, we pay sure. in that mug, that, that souvenir mug there oh, is what you're... It's got a nice little stirring thing. So, so back to talking about your radio career, um, as fascinating as, as yoga is, I can't do it at all, so I don't relate. Um, what's the coolest thing you got to do in your radio career? Listeners would often invite me on sort of action adventure things, which I loved, like jumping out of an airplane. That was fun. Oh. And so I got to do it for free, too. Um, hot air balloon ride. That was fun. Um, somebody had a seaplane, and so I got to ride, you know, be a passenger in a little seaplane, and we landed on the Grand River, and that was kind of cool, and I got to co-pilot an airplane, so, you know, it was, it was a lot of those things. Um, those were probably the most exciting that I can think of right off the top. Did you have a chance to meet many stars or music folks, music types? Uh, here and there, yeah. you know, and that wasn't really, I, 
it was one of the first couple years in radio, I got to meet Don Henley, and it was backstage. And I've just watched him do, like, this cattle call of signing things and, like, barely looking up. I'm like, he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't care about this. And I want to hang out with people that want to hang out with me <laughs> that are obligated to. So it wasn't high on my priority list to, to do a lot of backstage stuff. So I don't, I don't have a very good dig me wall. Okay. What was it like to have a partner like Tim Barron? Such a huge person, such a huge personality and, and kind of be the, the, you know, the, the part, the, the partner to him on a, on a daily basis. You know, I was a kid, I was 21 and I grew up in Midland <laughs> and then it was a big eye opener from, from Midland, Michigan, moving to Detroit for, I think I was there about a year and a half maybe. And, and then from there coming to Lansing. So I was still so young and dumb and green and I didn't know really that much about the radio business and and to me he was very intelligent and and he seemed to always know what he was doing and was funny and and we we had a lot of fun for a lot of years. Well, I appreciate you coming by. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Thank mm-hmm. you. Bob said, Megan said, she'll be awesome. You'll love her. <laughs> we fun. do. Thank fun. you. Thank you. I'll come back anytime. It's, oh, good. It's fun to have well, you. Well, I think we should bring some recording equipment for when Joe has his lesson, <laughs> his yoga lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Nikki could do one, too. You could okay. do the headstand. For sure. And we could just get Gotta that get all there at some point. Sure. Do a road trip. And and you just hate yoga altogether outright? I've just never been flexible in any way. So the few <laughs> times I've done it, I, I find it more painful than fun in any way. I'm starting a chair yoga class at Hilltop in, in oh. March, if you like. And a chair? You know, you just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, people in wheelchairs do yoga. There's okay. this guy, uh, Matthew oh, Sanford. do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, there's this guy, Matthew Sanford. He was paralyzed in a car wreck when he was 14. He owns a yoga studio. He speaks all over the world about and he teach. I saw him lead a yoga class, a video of him leading a yoga class with a woman who could only move her head. So the I'm not flexible part, well, I think it's it's more like as I listen to you talk, I think, oh, I wish I were adaptable and and flexible because I need rules. And yoga seems like an anti-rule space. What do you mean? I like you. I like rules. You like, like <laughs> well, then you a traditional class. They'll they'll, you, they'll you're, you're told rules. what to do. The, okay. tr- the trauma classes, you're given choices, and there's they're very specific without going into all the minutia of yeah. it. But yeah, you can come to my basics class, and we'll tell Get you what some to rules. do. All right, yeah. good. Maybe we need to do. take a team outing. I think this is happening. Yeah. I think yeah. this is coming together right now. You know, I will. You know, come lead. Classes in corporate office, you know, we'll office setting. Of space here. We will yes. eat. We will. Yeah. We'll get out our bowls of oatmeal. Yeah. Have that first. That, what a healthy <laughs> we'll day. Start, we'll start yeah, that would be great. And we can make it so that no one's going to get all sweaty. You can keep your office clothes on, and it won't be anything crazy. All right. No well, headstands. See if Nikki in Nikki's shoes. If somebody said Nikki, you need to do a headstand. I'd be like, All right, we're doing headstands, and we're doing them today. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> Maybe she could do a headstand then. Against a wall, yes. <laughs> yeah, I could do it against a wall. Okay. That's, okay. that's all I got, though. Let's go. Let's see it. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Deb. Thank you so it's much. What a, a blast. It's been a great time. Great time Appreciate having it. You've been listening to Deb Hart. Uh, this is the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, and we'll be right back. Man, that bass sounds good. Do it again. But I think it needs a little bit of drum. 
Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Y'all feel me out there? Let me add a little guitar to this. Come on, bless. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Sounding real good. So there's a bit of a debate now since Deb has left us. Um, Deb Hart was our guest. As she was walking out the door, um, she was rec- recounting a story where her friend asked her if she was going to do what she was doing today, and she said she was doing a podcast, to which the friend asked, and this is where the debate comes in, because some of us heard one thing, <laughs> some of us heard other things. I heard her say, is it an, an, an important podcast, to which Deb said, <laughs> laughed, no, no, it's not important. Everyone else in the room <laughs> thought she said, is it a porn podcast? That's definitely what she said. That's what she it said. It is that's what she not, said. I can't. That's not, can't. But also, <laughs> that's not a thing, is it? Yeah, I know. I'm sure that it is. I'm sure that it is. What is it? What's the what's the rule? They talk, there's like rule 109. There's like if if About it exists, what? there's oh a there's a porn of it. If it exists, there's a porn of it. <laughs> Stephanie just googled it. I just googled it. There <laughs> are lots of porn podcasts. <laughs> Gross. Sounds well, like Joe, we did to... talk last time about doing new podcasts and helping people with those. Maybe we have a new market. Oh, no. No. Yeah, we'd have to we'll, go off-site. We'll, we'll create, we'll create a well, firewall. We'd have to go, go off-site. Off it's not, it's not this podcast, so she was safe. Get oh. smeared with cold oatmeal. Mr. Resh, turn off your podcast. <laughs> FCC violation or something. <coughs> anyway, so I realized Joe and I snuck in here last week. Uh, or I guess it was a couple weeks ago when we wrapped up the other podcast in the in the dead of it was minus eight degrees and talked about how we're going to be marketing podcast services. And I got in the car, got in the car with Joe to drive back home and realized that we never even told anybody where they could go to find it. <laughs> the information we, we were going to get to it. About. Great marketing, guys. It was cold. It was cold. <laughs> So yeah, so we talked about the the podcast stuff and the services that we provide. It's on our website. There is a, a brand new page that we've we've loaded up there. Um, it's the Cold Oatmeal Cafe a menu of of products and services. It didn't help you do your podcast if you'd like to do one. Um, it's in the How We Help section of the website. So check that out. I think we need to we need to make it more prominent. We Have you had any call? Gotten any calls since no. the last one? No. The whale didn't call back to reschedule to book some more he time. He hasn't. He. He knows. He knows better. He he knows there's there's no podcast there. But someone else should call because I'm sure that <laughs> anyone else anyone else could do a better podcast. <laughs> I know. I got lots of I got lots of texts with with cheers for the whale. Oh, that's I think nice. There were sympathy yeah. cheers. Yeah. I thought he had thirty really strong seconds. <laughs> Me too. That's about ten more. I loved his music was. also. <laughs> he had you know he had nothing to do with the music. I know. I was giving Joe a compliment. <laughs> Joe. Thank you. You're welcome. Can we also brag about Joe's mad animating skills? Well, they're you know, they're not public yet, but they are on the verge of being public. Joe's yeah. he's got all these hidden talents. Yeah, yeah, how oh, amazing. You're an animator. We can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen. I know. What are you animating? No, you have to see it. It's so awesome. Any any client who wants some good animation for their 
video animation. We've got don't that don't overpromise. <laughs> I am not overpromising. I'm not sure. It took him like three weeks. To yeah, <laughs> I'm not forever. sure it's the most time efficient uh, project, but it is really good. It is really very good. good and connected back to our podcast stuff. So I don't know. Deb was fun. Everyone, she was awesome. She should come back. She should. We had a little bit of a generational dilemma because as we were, as I was asking, when I saw the story about Deb leaving radio, <laughs> I came into the office and I go, I'm so excited. I, we have to have Deb Hart on the podcast to many blank stares. Don't. No. Was it First generational? All, don't, don't, I can't look at No, it was, it, was every, it was everyone other than me. Who, and I, I've I known Deb Hart since person. I was like a, in sixth grade. <laughs> yeah. I'm the now oldest she's gonna know. person here. <laughs> It's fine. You know what? I do recognize her voice, though. Yeah, see? Yeah. So I just didn't know the name behind the voice. Well, and, and in my defense, I've never lived here. I don't live here now. <laughs> I've never lived here. But you don't have a different radio market in Fowlerville. Is there a radio no, market but, in Fowlerville? But Nick I, is I Nick is a, <laughs> I don't listen to radio. Do you rap. have you radio? There you go. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. You're fun. And Laura, you don't know this yet about Nick, but Nick is, is hips. He is... I'm going to get this wrong. You all talk to me about this kind Hip-hop. of thug rap, thug passion. <laughs> it, classic classic <laughs> rock is not my format of choice. No, that is not his, really? his format. Yeah. No. Nick, no. Is, Nick is a bad A dollar sign dollar sign. <laughs> 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 Are you an East Coast or a West Coast? I'm a West Coast guy. Oh, weird. 100%. Yeah. Grand Rapids. <laughs> Obviously, that was a stupid question. I, it's it's fun because when I bring my boys now, we go in about once a month to Grand Rapids to take them to Grandpa and Grandma's house. Um, they know that it. I, I think they enjoy doing it, but I think they also know that I enjoy that they do it. Um, they'll get in the car and they'll go, "Mommy, Daddy, we're going to the West Side." Say, yes, we are, boys. We're going to the West Side. B O I Z. Right, my B O Y Z. And I've taught them how to how to fold their ring finger over their middle finger. Wait, mm-hmm. to form a W. And so they, even when Asher, when he gets on the bus every morning, he flashes me the west side. <laughs> like, love you, bud. Love you. You can't see me right now on the podcast, but I'm flashing the west side. Yeah, it's, I'm trying to keep the tradition alive. Wait. I figure they'll be the most, uh, Hopefully the that most musically mean diverse something people else in Fowlerville. When he gets older. Can the right. ring finger go under the middle finger? I suppose. Pro- that's easier for me. Is it? Yeah. You realize no one can see what you guys are doing. No. <laughs> it's probably for the They're best. They're all trying it right now. That's good. <laughs> Make a W. Yeah, I can't do it the other way. It has no. to be underneath. Yeah. yeah. They also ask me questions like, Daddy, tell me about a time that there was a gang fight in your school. Like, I don't want to talk about that right now, guys. But, but one time there was a gangster fight, right? Yeah, guys. Once yeah, or twice. Nick was can you tell one. me about it? No, I don't want to get into it. But they're so enamored with the stories. Yeah. I've glamorized it on accident. Oh. Way to go, Nick. Yep. Next thing you know, they'll be wearing red bandanas and fur coats and a big gold medallion, yep. like Nick wears every <laughs> time. <laughs> Deb was like one of the first voices I'd ever heard when I moved to Michigan because I'm not from Michigan, and so came here for college and turned on the radio. And my roommate Ben and I, Ben Botkin, listened to Tim and Deb all the time. So. I feel like I would approach her if I knew the voice. I'm surprised. That I yeah. was very surprised that people don't do And you know what was her. interesting is when you meet people, like, well, now that we meet a lot of these people, but sometimes the radio, does the radio enhance the voice? And when you meet the person in person, does it really sound that way? That She sounded exactly the she way, sounds way yeah. she does yeah. on the radio. And I always assumed people on the radio, they have a radio voice. 
that they're putting on. But that's just her voice. That would be a lot of work. That's a God-given voice. The other thing that I always assume is that radio people are extremely unattractive. And yeah, a face for radio. She is very attractive. She yes, matches she is. her voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to delete the voicemail that she left on my phone. Um, so you have been listening to the cold oatmeal podcast nick joe nikki's doing a headstand right now laura (laughs) finally (laughs) (laughs) laura and and stephanie uh deb hart was our guest uh you can check us out at at reststrategies.com at cold oatmeal pod on on uh, twitter and we will talk to you next time Yeah.